Welcome to our third episode of A Coffee Room Chat in ENT, held by the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh in collaboration with ENT UK. Today's episode comes from Ed and Society, and I'm really pleased to welcome Shane Lester, who is the Secretary of the Head and Neck Society. Uh, and Shane is a consultant head and neck surgeon in James Cook University Hospital in Middlesbrough. And he's talking to Jay Manick today. Uh, Jay's a head and neck surgeon from Nine Wells Hospital uh, in Dundee. And both of them have experience of developing day case head and neck surgery. And in particular today, they're going to discuss day case parotid surgery. What patients to choose, the technique that you use, and how to start the service. So over to Shane and Jay. Right. Hey, Jay. How are you doing? Uh, fantastic, Shane. How are you? Long time no see. Yeah. In the middle of, uh, um, so what, what are you doing in the middle of the operation? Well, no, we're just waiting for a case, you know, waiting for a bed as usual. But it's the day unit, so they're pretty good. Oh, I see. Because I was about to do a parotid surgery. It's, it's a, a new nurse. Uh-huh. Uh, she was a little bit concerned that um, Mr. Manik doesn't want to drain. <laughs> and instead, uh, I demanded to get some balaclava or mastoid dressing. Uh, she's a little bit confused, I think. Uh, what do you got to do? Uh, I can't imagine you demanding. I'm sure you're always so nice, Jay. I, I bet you didn't demand. Uh, but, you know, uh, that these uh, new nurses have got to learn that um, you're doing something totally different, aren't you? You're, you're, do, you know, you're not putting a drain in, are you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do. Uh, I don't put uh, usually drain uh, in the parotid surgery. Uh, we've been doing that for a past kind of three years. Yeah. And um, I mean, the, my techniques are very same to others. Um, 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 I mean, for example, it's uh, we do the standard parotidectomy, yeah. um, similar incision, uh, V-neck or uh, facial plastic incision or right. modified bladder incision, raise yeah. the flap, find the facial nerve and uh, remove the lump along with the covering as much as possible, yeah. preserve all the branches of the facial nerve. Yeah. Uh, then the, the finishing bit is slightly different. Mm-hmm. And I try to kind of obliterate the cavity if possible by suturing right. the parotid tissue with a sternocleidomastoid. Mm-hmm. But I don't uh, uh, kind of pull it and rip it. If there right. is a defect is reasonably large, uh, then I try to use some T-seal or a flow seal. Right. Um, and that's all I do. But the, the key thing is I try to do a Valsalva maneuver to make right. sure there's no bleeding before that. So it's very standardized in our department. For example, always use a 40 centimeter pressure, uh-huh. raise, uh, lowering the table for a 40 degree angle uh-huh. and, um, and they do it like three to four times with a few minutes interval. Right. And then same wound closure, monocryl, and then uh, try to use a mastoid bandage or balaclava dressing. The reason for the balaclava uh-huh. dressing is, is pretty uh, cheap and uh-huh. it comes with a, a beautiful Velcro dressing uh, or a Velcro clip uh, on uh, three sides so they right. can release it very easily and the patients or our partners, they find it easy to remove. Okay. And apart from that, uh, I don't think anything uh, uh, different. Um, and I send them home on the same day. 
uh, in four to five hours if they are up on the feet and mm-hmm. they're doing well. And how, how do you do? You do. You've been doing that for a number of years now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I do something very similar. I'm, uh, I've been doing it about five years, and we did a. Well, we initially tried to see could we just take the drain out on its own, but uh, then Artis popped along, and Artis is similar, isn't it? Similar to Flow Seal, it's a you know fibering glue. Absolutely. Um, it's. I think the I think the difference with Artis is it's sprayed, where uh, it's it's um, aerosolized over air and two parts squirted in. So we do the incision. I do a short incision, short modified blare. It, uh, you can get it pretty much most of the prodded out with a little incision, but you can always extend it if you need to, can't you? And then I do, I, I'm uh, finicky. I make sure it's dry, just like you do. You know, surgeons should have nice dry fields afterwards, shouldn't it? It's the, that little Absolutely. bit of yeah, it's uh, that little <laughs> bit of pedantry is is good in a surgeon. Uh, and I, I do a Valsalva, but I make sure they're normal intensive for that patient before. I, I don't I don't I must admit I don't put them head down for my Valsalva and I just tend to do it once but if it looks pretty good that's good uh, that's good if it doesn't I might do it again once I've done some closure when we uh when we close I close everything about about five centimeters I do an intradermal single vicral stitch interrupted and then we do about three stitches that are left long on a clip and then we use Langebex to lift the skin up and spray two mils of Artis and it goes all the way over everything pull the skin close don't tie it and then two minutes of just doing nothing to you need a clock because how long does two minutes you know it seems to last forever two minutes doesn't it you know, it's like just doesn't, surgeons doesn't have a patience to be honest that surgical time's <laughs> different to normal time isn't it it's like lunchtime it's a different time uh yeah i don't have any patience so unless there's a clock i will i want to get on with it um and then after those two minutes cut one of the ends short tie it down uh give it a clean and liquid band on the surface and that that acts as a shower proof dressing and the, the for that the patient just peels it off after a week um you'd be amazed how many people come back with it still on though you tell them peel it off after a week but they go well, i'm not sure what to do with this four weeks later but but it's it's absolutely fine and you take it off and it's beautiful underneath but yeah they go home the same day and um, yeah. it's great uh, and they you've done a uh, you've done a patient satisfaction survey haven't you Absolutely. I mean, uh, this is uh, nearly kind of 40 patients. They responded to the survey and uh, nearly 97% felt that um, they, they uh, the highest patient satisfaction and uh, 100% of them, they said they would recommend this um, drainless decades protectomy to all the patients. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's highest to patient satisfaction. There's no doubt about that because... Uh, they don't want to spend the whole night or like or two nights in the hospital with the drain. Yeah. They don't like the idea of drain. And no. um, um, it, it's it's not necessary, to be honest, for the parotid surgery. It, the defect is anyway small. There's no airway risk here. Yeah. Um, and why did you choose uh, take a surgery? Uh, because, well, for the same reason as you, people don't like drains. And then, and so the way we did it, we built up to it. There were, there's no courses, are there? Although, you know, we're, we're teaching people and you're teaching people and getting your colleagues to do it. But there were no courses five years ago. And so we just built up to it and we put artists as well as a drain. So we said, look, let's just add this on and make it, be- make it better. They're using, been using artists in um, facelift surgery. So it's very similar. They used it in lots of other sites. So it was well established in the trust. And the next day, 
there was nothing in the drains. So eventually, after 25, we said, right, let's take, let's not put a drain in, but keep them in. And they never had a problem. And then eventually you go, well, if they don't have a problem and I don't have to do anything, why am I keeping them in overnight? Uh, and uh, they and when you tell them, do you want to go home? They their their smile lights up. They think they're going to be in their own bed and not have someone snoring next to them, or not someone they don't know snoring next to them. How about you? What was it like uh, building up? Yes, I think it was. Um, it was uh, challenges, a lot of challenges to yeah. start with, because um, I was a, a new consultant uh, yeah. in the block um, when I started. Uh, there were a few surgeons already doing the parotid surgery. Yeah. And they're all like pretty much standard in patient. And in fact, the average stay was like uh, 2.2 days. Yeah. 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 In the hospital. And they still consider as a parotid surgery is a major surgery because yeah. if you do like three or four, three to four hours, then how can you send the patient uh, home on the same day? Um, so I have to literally convince the outpatient, my colleagues and the anesthetists and the pre-assessment. Yeah. In addition to the patient as well as the partner, there was kind of some anxiety around the patient and partner. Yeah. So we kind of started very slowly and building up. And in those initial days, I was keeping them in, in yeah. the hospital. Yeah. And then uh, the nurses started believing it and the patients started believing it. Even the whole team is kind of on the board. Now, um, pretty much it is uh, it's a standard of care uh, in our hospital. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Uh, is there any problems with the counseling the patients or counseling the team um, in your experience? No. Well, because we put RTC in everything and it's a it's a fibrin glue and it has it has blood products in. We all, I must tell patients that, and I always ask patients anyway if they're Jehovah's Witnesses or if they have any problem with blood products, uh, and clearly people that do have problems or do not want blood products can't have it. Uh, so that's not an option for me. I, I don't do any without a sealant like that. Uh, haven't had any, haven't had any people that, uh, that don't want it. They all understand it and they all think, well, if it's something my body produces anyway, and it's going to make everything stick together and it'll get me out of hospital. Well, they're all very keen. I've never had anyone reject it, but uh, it's important to, to keep them, involved and keep and tell them what's going to happen and tell them that not everyone does it that way uh, i do like to tell them that this is something we do here we're established we've audited it and published on it and we teach on it but not everyone does just in case they go away and someone tells them oh, oh that's very strange why are they doing that they should i think it's it's good for them to be involved in that process do you yeah, uh, absolutely i mean you're right and um uh, uh but the, the, the systematic review uh, we did, actually, it's nearly 4,000 patients. Yeah. And it clearly showed uh, this is no way inferior to inpatient protidectomy. In fact, it says uh, the complication rates are actually lesser. Um, um, that I don't know how it happens, but mm-hmm. probably due to the case selection. And mm-hmm. uh, they say clearly um, it's no way it's inferior. So yeah. we can kind of strongly recommend this. Um uh, do you have any uh, particular uh, challenging situations or case selections? Uh, do you do it for every patient? or um... I, I plan it as my standard for a superficial protodectomy, such as this next one. It's got just a, a middle of the face, middle of the protid, um, standard pleomorphic. 
Uh, I'll take all of the protted if I need uh, the the superficial lobe if I need to, but most of us just do a partial superficial with a cuff, just like you were saying. You know, there's no there's no need to take more than more than a cuff is there. There's no evidence, and and closest margin is usually deep anyway on the nerve. Um, and uh, but I do use artis as well as a drain in the deep lobe ones. And actually, I've got to say there's never anything in them uh, and the drain comes out the next day. So the benefit of that is, yes, uh, yes, they stay in and yes, they have a drain, but they go they go home the next day. Um, and I think that's that's pretty good. I, it's not quite the same if they've had an extended and they maybe had some skin or some or you've taken or you've done a neck dissection as well. I'll still put it in. But, you know, it, those are very those are very different. Those aren't your standard. And so I wouldn't expect those patients to to 100 percent go home the next day. I wouldn't tell them I wouldn't give them the expectation. But the day case, you know, the standard protted, uh, that's their expectation. They'll go home as a day case. I mean, I used to just send them home as a day case if it'd been on the start of the the morning list. But now if they want to go home and I've done them the last on the list and they're awake afterwards and I've seen them and they're looking good, you know, um, I'll send them home. They, they never have any problems. Yep. Fantastic. That yeah. that's, that's really good. That's yeah. really good. Um, what would you tell someone if they were going to start? Would you, I mean, cause it's been quite, it's quite stressful when you're starting it off in a new unit. How would you, how would you advise they start? I would say uh, start with the simple cases like yeah. uh, superficial protodectomy with a small uh, defect. Um, then um, maybe uh, counseling the patient is very important mm-hmm. um, and the patient as well as uh, partners uh, support uh, mm-hmm. particularly. That's very useful. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe uh, it's, as you said, it's a confidence thing mm-hmm. um, and gradually um you can implement this uh, in a very systematic manner. Um, better to involve uh, the ward staffs as well as anesthetist uh, and also pre-assessment clinic. Uh, these are the things. It's a teamwork. Even though as a surgeon, as a kind of may, playing a main role and and kind of pulling the team together. That, that's what I would strongly advise. And also, um, you have to think logically. For example, you're doing day case. Um, thyroidectomies, mm-hmm. um, doing a day case, a tonsillectomies. That yeah. tonsillectomy is a airway risk. Yeah. Patients go home after tonsillectomy and protodectomy, there's no airway risk. Yeah. And patients may develop some kind of small hematoma. And that's why I try to use a pressure bandage. Mm-hmm. And there is also evidence just that the drains amounts are less and only the first four hours they have uh, some amount of um, drainage. Um, so um, the, it, even if they have a small hematoma, that will resolve by its own. There's no uh, evidence of increased complications. There's no need to panic. And particularly, it, it's very useful for my trust. And do you find anything particularly useful for your trust uh, doing uh, day case surgery? Well, you're doing it in the day unit, especially at the moment. It saves you needing to uh, to book a bed it's uh, and beds are precious at the moment in fact just today i had two patients cancel because there wasn't a ward bed um but if they were day unit patients they would have gone through uh, absolutely no problem so it's you know the day unit is very slick uh, they they're very used to these patients the patients do, that you put through there don't require a lot of input uh they get them out nice and quickly so they can get the next ones in in the morning everyone's happy about that and you're right if uh, if you're not taking up a ward bed 
or if you're not taking up any bed at all, if they're going home on the same day, you know, that's saving money. And it's not, and it's not so much that you had to book beds anymore because now they're so flexible. If the bed becomes free, they will use it for someone else. Absolutely. I totally agree with you here. Uh, in, in, in my hospital, um, if you admit a patient, the cost is somewhere around 850 to mm-hmm. 1,100 pounds. Wow. You straight away save the money. Uh, in spite of you using uh, some hemostatic agent or, or, or the dressing, something like that. And also, in fact, um, as you said, uh, in my hospital, uh, they start cancelling and overnight admissions if you they allow only the day case patients. Yeah. Um, so and also patient has got a good satisfaction. And yeah. and so uh, I think the, the trust are very supportive of uh, day case surgery as well. Yeah. I, I think it's helpful if the trust is you uh, other people in the trust have used the hemostatic. So for example the um the artiste was already at use in my in my trust. So they knew how to use it. So that was one less barrier and the reps told us that because it's a blood product, it's there's you can claim the cost back as uh, as part of the the bulk purchasing of blood products. So it's actually that is cost neutral. So you you are saving money by doing the same operation with something that doesn't cost, but not using a bed. So you so that yeah, the trust should be happy. You're saving money. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, in fact, pyridectomy is one of the commonest operations done in the UK, mm. to be honest. And in fact, in our unit, nearly 60 to 70 patients in yeah. annually, we do pyridectomy. So yeah. pretty much if you almost, uh, you can't do 100%. If you do it around 70 to 80%, yeah. kind of day case, same day or something, that will still save significant amount of uh, bed days uh, for the hospital. Yeah. And as you said, the patients, the patients are very keen. You know, you've, you've proved it that they're very keen. I've, I haven't done something quite as formal as you, and maybe I should, uh, but I inform them what's going to happen. I give them the options of, of staying in very few patients who are confident and independent, therefore suitable to go home. Very few of them actually want to stay in hospital. I wouldn't want to stay in hospital if I could help it. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, Scotland is a kind of wider area. Mm. We don't put any uh, restrictions and um, many patients, even over 60 miles, uh, they go home on the same day. Yeah. Uh, and there is right. even the ASA grade one or two, it's not a problem at all. And the only thing is if there's no carriers and they're still having anesthetic side effects, um, then feeling sick or some other problems like they can't eat and drink they might stop overnight and even then they go before the ward round the next day morning yeah. um, so still it's considered as a dead case so now you've proven that it's safe and now you've done what it's are all your colleagues taking it on are they have they are they converts uh, certainly there's no resistance at this point Good. and they're also considering and yeah. uh, in fact i have helped a few of my colleagues from the different trust uh, to right. start and they, they're all um, um doing it uh, and which is which is very reassuring yeah and uh, and it also proves it is not a surgeon based it's yeah. it can be generalizable yeah. um so certainly in my view yeah well as you said it's um you know all we do is you know, we same as you. We do a very standard approach, and we just spread. I think the things we learned when we had to sort of make up the technique, just like you've had to, is just make sure you get the the spray all around and give it time to bed in. And and we like to you know parachute the sutures down afterwards without disturbing it. Those few things 
take five minutes to learn they can do you uh so yeah anyone can do it it's uh we we've done we've done the stressful bit of got getting it going but definitely anyone else could take it on i think absolutely um, i think what you said before about when you start keep them in overnight i think that's more for the surgeon's confidence isn't it but i think it's a good thing absolutely absolutely um Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's nice talking to you, Shane, after a long oh, time. Yeah, it's nice to see you. I've got to, yeah, I've got to get on. There's people tapping the watch at me, want to get on with the next case. Thank you to Shane Lester and to Jay Manick. Because it's clear from listening to them today that this is something to consider introducing into your own practice. So I hope you'll join us next week when our podcast comes from Bridges Society of Facial Plastic Surgery, where Peter Andrews and Raj Bala were discussing patient selection in rhinoplasty.